Welcome to A Slice of SEL, a podcast for educators about social-emotional learning. Welcome to A Slice of SEL, where the SEL services team at the St. Croix River Education District. I'm Nick. I'm Angela. And I'm Kevin. Today we're going to talk about praise. So this is my 12th year in education, and I would say that for most of that time, I didn't put a lot of thought into how I praised and encouraged students. You know, I had, I had been told a million times that praise was important. I had heard the praise to correction ratio concept a bunch of times, you know, in my career. But it's actually not an area where I'd received helpful training. It didn't feel like part of my craft I was pretty naturalistic with how I did it, meaning I just did it the way that came naturally and when it came naturally to praise. So I couldn't notice and name what I was really trying to do. I wasn't really intentional about it at all. So what happened is I didn't praise very often. And when I did, I usually just said great work or something like that. And it was usually for students answering a problem correctly. So a student would get something right and I would say, great job. And then eventually what changed is I started to work at a school where the staff really took praise very seriously. Um, I got to work with paraprofessionals and teachers who were fantastic role models, and we invested a lot of time in our team meetings to refining our praise practices and being intentional about it. And that's what really changed for me. So I've been lucky enough to see firsthand how powerful praise can be. I haven't just read about it in the research as a hypothetical. I've actually gotten to to experience it and witness it when we're intentional about it, how powerful it can be. And it's one of those fundamental, basic tools of classroom management, but that doesn't mean it's easy. And it doesn't mean we've made it a habit or been able to maintain that habit. And Angela and Kevin, I, I mentioned this off air before we started recording, Um, I saw a TikTok from an assistant principal who, of course, was a teacher, then became an assistant principal um, classroom management expert this morning, and she shared this fantastic analogy for those behavior classroom management fundamentals. I'll try and (laughs) be faithful to what she shared. I won't word it as well as she did, but she was saying so much of, especially new teachers she's working with, so much of what is shared online and tips and tricks is like the icing of classroom management. It's this fancy extra stuff. And what we really should spend 90% of our time on is refining and making sure we're really strong in those very fundamental practices, praise being one of those. And when we have that 90% really strong, then we can worry about the, and that's like the, (laughs) see, I'm already messing up the analogy. That's like the cake. The cake is that 90%, those fundamentals. And then the extra stuff is that 10%. It's like the icing. And she was saying a lot of teachers right now, especially newer teachers, are trying to build a cake out of only icing. And I thought that was a really powerful analogy. Um, So that's one of the reasons why we're focusing on praise as basic as it might be. That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean it's a habit that we have right now, even if it's one we had in the past. So it's worth looking at those fundamentals. So we are going to present you today with six choices that we believe all teachers and paraprofessionals and educators, six choices everyone is making every time they praise. And we're going to challenge our listeners to pick one of these areas where they'd like to set a a goal or an intention for themselves to adjust their habits. Yes, but before that, let's talk about what's filling our buckets this week. Uh, For me, this weekend, it was so nice to be able to get outside 
and really enjoy the outdoors for the first time in a long time. Uh, my daughter had so much fun playing in the snow. Uh, we haven't been able to do that since it's been so cold. So it was just felt so good to just spend some time together, but then also get outside in the fresh air and enjoy that warm sunshine that we were having. Did you uh, have any troubles with mud, Angela, due to the temperature fluctuations we're experiencing? We did not. Oh, good for you. <laughs> What's filling my bucket is I was at a middle school in one of our districts, and a teacher shared with me that she had started doing an opening of class ritual um, using the icebreaker questions that are on our SEL website. So she pulls up the page where we have 49-ish packs of these icebreaker questions for middle schoolers, and she would let her students pick which link to click on, which I thought was really nice, like have some choice in there. And these are packs of four questions, and they only do one question because you don't want to take up a ton of class time. So they just have one question, and then she has them all circle up, and this is a ritual that they know by now, which is really beautiful. Um, they circle up, and she just throws like a little inflated be beach ball back and forth, and whenever you catch it, it's your turn to answer the question. So it's something that she's, again, it's a ritual that is now ingrained that they just kind of flow into at the beginning of class, and she just came up with this all these steps on her own, but it's just beautiful. So I just love that awesome. she was able to use those resources authentically and just come up with a, a ritual herself. Pretty awesome. Yeah. That is really awesome, Nick. My bucket filler is also a personal one, similar to Angela. Uh, me and my family, we recently started a swear jar. We have our, our daughter is 18 months old and she's starting to pick up on words that we're saying. And so it was about time to uh, start the swear jar in our household. So every time uh, we catch each other swearing, we are contributing to a swear jar, which actually is going back into our daughter's college fund. So it's one of those things where, okay, well, this is more money towards her and her education. But uh, it's a good way for us to hold each other accountable and, and just be mindful of the language we're using around our, our little one. <laughs> That's very responsible of you, Kevin, where you're diverting those funds. <laughs> I was going to ask. Um, my brain was going, are you going to spend it on Starburst or something? <laughs> I guess that don't, wouldn't really work logically, but okay. <laughs> um, now we're going to shift to our topic and discuss those six choices that all educators are making when they praise students, whether they're realizing it or not. Again, our goal here is for all of us to become a little bit more intentional with our praise, a little bit more self-aware of what we're doing. Uh, I know Kevin and I have both been told recently in training or coaching contexts We've been told praise doesn't work for me. But when we drilled down um, and talked about what those people were actually doing, it was praise. It was a specific style of praise, and they just weren't self-aware of that. And the only thing is by recognizing our style and by being self-aware of those choices, those decisions we're making, and the options that we have, we won't feel trapped if our style stops working. So when we, we, when we can notice and name what we're doing, we're more ready to change it and adapt it when we need to. So we avoid that helplessness that always comes along or, or might come along when inevitably our style just doesn't work with a particular kid or a particular group of kids. So as we go through these six areas, these six decisions, think about the choice in each area that you're typically making. Again, whether or not you're intending to do it or not, think about which side of these coins you're landing on. Start to define what your current style is and then ask yourself if there's an area or two where you'd like to shift what you're doing. So guys, there's six choices. There's three of us. We're going to go around the table uh, twice and take turns sharing. Kevin, why don't you get us started? 
Yeah. So number one, how obvious the praise is. So for a lot of people, the default phrase might be great job or nice work. But saying things like I noticed or thank you for, that's also praise. When you're taking a moment to direct your attention to that student and pointing out something positive, something that you'd like to see more of, that's also the praise that we're talking about. So secondary students might feel like you're talking down to them or treating them like a kid. You're always saying, good job or great work, Sam, or something like that. Well, instead, you could say something like, hey, Beth, I noticed you noticed you speaking up during group work today. I like the ideas you shared. Or, Sam, thanks for raising your hand. I could hear crickets. I really appreciate you bailing me out. Saying things like, I noticed, or thank you for, and elaborating what you're thanking them for, can really feel more socially mature for the students that we're talking to. Well, yeah, I can think of uh, a middle school, for example, in one of our districts where um, the leadership team went to some training and they've really brought back the power of that phrase noticing. So they're really trying to be really good noticers. Um, but just other examples of that phrase and Kevin, I thought of like, I appreciate, I admire, even questions like when teachers are asking, how did you come up with that idea? Or can you tell me more about that? Like how you thought of this? Or can you tell me more about how you approached this problem? Like just noticing and being curious about a student that so positive social attention that's that's praise and encouragement. And I can think of my favorite teachers in elementary school were often the ones who showed that curiosity and made me feel like special, like they were curious about the way that I was thinking about something. One way to think about it that I've thought about is like a praise diet. I'm sure you guys have heard me mention that before. Like all things are okay in moderation. Um, it's, I don't think it's the end of the world if a teacher says good job. I think that's that's not what we're trying to say here um, and have people rigorously self-censoring themselves and being really nervous to have the words great job slip out of their lips. Like it's not the not the ambition here. But again, just want to open up the eyes a little bit so that we're all aware of all the options that we do have. Right. The goal is to find things that are a good fit for the students in front of you. Um, so one of those options, I think, like you said, Kevin, is like how obvious it sounds like great job sounds pretty obvious. That's praise. But how did you come up with that idea, Ben? Like, that's praise too. Nick, I love that phrase, praise diet. And it really connects to what I'm talking about next. Uh, so for example, great work, Beth. You know, it's short, quick, and vague. Um, pretty, pretty similar to junk food. It's not the end of the world if you use it, but it's not super nutritious. And so you want to make sure you're getting that really nutritious praise in the mix as well. Uh, so great work, Beth, is positive, but it doesn't tell Beth what I noticed. It's not specific. So that leads me to choice number two, how descriptive the praise is. So I can be more descriptive sometimes. I could say, Beth, great job using your quiet voice or great job getting your books out quickly and quietly, Sam. Like I was saying, it's that extra nutritious layer where I'm being really specific about what I noticed. It's going to be more meaningful to the student and even if I want to level up on that, I could add a reason. So instead of, Beth, great job using your quiet voice, I could say, Beth, great job using a quiet voice. I feel respected when the class is quiet. Or, Beth, great job using a quiet voice. It's easy to use my focus muscles when our voices are quiet. Did you guys have anything to add? Yeah, and Angela, I think our, our listeners might be thinking, oh my God, when, do I, when am I going to have time for that? Because that's so many words. And like we said, think praise diet. That's where that analogy comes in. Like, I, 
I think there's nuance to this. And even though that detailed, specific praise is so impactful and meaningful, and it's great, and it's and it should be in the praise diet, I don't personally think it's super helpful to have this attitude where, like, I can never, ever take a bite of junk food. Like, that doesn't work in dieting. That doesn't work in real life. That doesn't work in our praise either. So I don't think it's super helpful to have teachers walking around saying, like, oh, I'm so nervous about the words nice work escaping my mouth every once in a while. Like, that's okay. Like, our diets are varied. Our praise can be a little bit varied, too. But again, the nuance here, like, if Beth or Sam are only ever hearing nice work or great job, like, I don't know, they're going to start to tune it out. Like, it's not going to be super meaningful because it's just kind of this reflexive little word, like, phrase that comes out of the mouth. And that I can't really tell that that person really has noticed anything special or, or, or nice that I've done. So, that's again this this concept of a diet like it's okay to have it a little bit varied but we want that nutrition in there and another point i thought of angela um, is that these are habits and skills you build over time as an educator so i don't really think it wasn't true for me i, I don't think it, i've talked to a couple of teachers like you're not automatically walking into classrooms into this field having that fluid vocabulary and that language where it's just second nature to just off the cuff describe what a student did well. Um, and I think that's where it's helpful that all of our schools have shared common expectations, like safe, respectful, responsible. Um, and they break that down and they use phrases like keep your hands, feet and objects to yourself, like those specific phrases, that common language. Um, and most of them have visuals that of those expectations that are hanging in classrooms. So I think that's helpful because if a teacher and especially a new teacher that can really benefit from picking out one or two of those common expectations and just pointing out when they're seeing students follow them. So you don't have to come up with that language all on your own. Just start by using the school's common language. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more, Nick. And uh, something else I've noticed like being in the classroom too is when you can be descriptive or when you can be specific or have that labeled praise attached to why you're giving them that label praise it. You might not always have the time in that moment. You might want to let the classroom play out or let things play out. But later on, if you want to revisit that and kind of build up their confidence in what they did, that can also help specify what they did later if they aren't immediately reflecting on what they're doing, which was a good job, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, finding that time later on to give them that detailed praise or descriptive praise um, could be really meaningful. Yeah, and you have those little one-to-ones where the teacher's kneeling next to your desk and they have a little bit more time for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Choice number three is how targeted the praise is. So all we mean here is, am I praising a student one-on-one to the point that we just made? Or maybe I'm praising a group of students at a table, or maybe I'm praising the entire class. So that's what we mean, how targeted the praise is. And I think whole class is pretty common, and it happens when everyone has met an expectation. Um, What might be missing, though, is praising the small group at a table or the individual student who are meeting an expectation, even if the whole class isn't. So if it's really habitual for me to praise the entire group when everyone's meeting an expectation, am I missing out on, you know, everybody hasn't met this expectation, but this small group has, or I see this single student doing it. So, for example, if a class is too noisy during independent work time, very common scenario, especially this school year, I might praise a specific table who are being respectful and working quietly. And this has a double effect where I'm praising the students in that small group who did meet the expectation, 
but I'm also indirectly prompting the rest of the class to course correct themselves. We call that an, an independent verbal or indirect verbal prompt mm-hmm. where I'm, I'm praising one student publicly and that is indirectly prompting everyone else to course correct. Now you might be thinking, yeah, okay, you know, if I publicly praise Sam in front of the whole class, maybe Sam's like a middle or high school student, she's going to flip out on me and I don't really want to steal Kevin's thunder, so I'm going to pass it on to him for choice number four. Yeah, choice four is how discreet the praise is. Research and our own personal experience supports the idea that the older students get, the less welcoming they are of that public praise. So Nick, your example of praising Sam in front of the whole class, that's likely going to work in elementary classrooms. Every student is unique and Sam might not like it. So it's not a sure thing, but it's much more likely to be okay at that grade level. But what about middle and high school? Well, you can certainly still praise the whole class because then you're not putting the spotlight on anyone in particular. You can also potentially have success praising this table or this group over here because, again, the spotlight isn't targeted on a specific student. But when it comes to praising a student one-on-one in those older grade levels, public praise isn't likely to work well. Being discreet is likely to go better. So standing by the student's desk and talking to them one by one is likely to go well versus my other options. Yeah, and the other thing to add here, Kevin, I think is like families are another consideration. I just wanted to, like I met a teacher at a training and she had a Google Voice number because it was a Google Apps district, so were we. So she could text parents from her school computer with that like work number so it wasn't her private number. And I started to do the same thing. So I'd ask a student sometimes, like, hey, is it okay if I let dad know about this? And like nearly 100% of the time, they'd say yes. And then at my next opportunity, I'd fire off a quick text to the dad on my laptop. And sometimes dad would reply during that period. So I got to tell the student what dad had said. I mean, how powerful is that? Um, Mm -hmm. It was was great. And of course, you could call or email. Those things just tend to take longer because they're more formal than a text message. But I just wanted to throw that in there um, as far as discreet goes, because that can be really discreet, but super, super powerful. Yeah, good point, Nick. So choice number five is what I'm choosing to praise. So Nick, you mentioned that early in your career, naturally you were drawn to praise when students answered a question correctly. It's like, nice job, good work. Mm-hmm. Another thing that naturally draws a lot of praise is when a student gets a good grade on an assignment or a test. And just keeping with our theme of those things aren't bad, but there are other options and we do want to mix it up. I want us to think about the other things that we can praise. So one is effort and the process that a student is using. So I want to make it a very common thing for a student to hear, I noticed you trying hard, you didn't get it right the first time, but you kept trying. I'm so proud of you. Or Sam, thanks for not giving up when you didn't find the answer right away on your first try. The other thing we can praise, and we've given a lot of examples already, is when students are meeting behavior expectations. So if students are showing a safe body, if their voice volumes are appropriate, etc., I want to notice and acknowledge when that happens, not just point out when it isn't happening. And I want it to be a habit, not something that I have to consciously try to start doing when I know a student who's going to give me a tough time isn't doing something that I'm asked and I'm already stressed. And I want it to just be my bread and butter, my every day. So Nick, I like how you tied it back to the school's common expectations. It's really helpful when schools have that common language around what the expectations are because I think it makes it more realistic for teachers to actually do what they're describing. 
Absolutely. And I'll give a shout out to East Central High School. They're just the most recent school that I've worked with on designing big, colorful visuals for the classrooms of their common expectations, their Eagle Pride. Uh, Their expectations are respectful, responsible, ready to learn, those three. And now every teacher has these one foot by three foot vinyl banners in their classrooms with these big symbols that match each of those three expectations. And the the teachers had input on the design of this. And I know where I'm going with this. I know they were excited to have something visual to point to when they were praising students. That was a big topic of conversation, like how awesome it was going to be to be able to gesture toward this visual um, and have students make that connection to those symbols and those expectations. So even when your brain is tired in February at seven in the morning and you don't have the words, a big symbol and the word respectful is right there. And that can be your parachute or your low hanging fruit. You know, that, that can help us make it realistic to actually praise habitually like we're talking about. And that leads us to our final choice, choice number six, whether or not I'm pairing an incentive with my praise. So, you know, all the elementary schools I work with and most of the middle schools have a school-wide incentive system where students are awarded tickets. Sometimes there's a school store attached to that, um, and that's how the students redeem the tickets. Sometimes it's a drawing. But regardless of the details, we just wanted to point out that every time we're praising, if we have a school-wide incentive system like that, we're deciding whether or not to also pair our praise with a ticket or an incentive. And I'll give East Central Junior Senior High School another shout out because they, they're also rolling out an incentive system. And their SEL team did a really great job talking through all the fine details that make this stuff sink or swim, um, including how it would be communicated to students. So the other day, their principal talked to all their students and she really emphasized You know, teachers are going to point out awesome things that you're doing, and they're not always going to hand you a ticket after that. Um, We aren't going to expect tickets from our teachers or ask our teachers for those tickets. So again, that communication and those habits, like it's, it's, it's okay. We should be praising all the time, bang, 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 a habit, you know, all the time pointing out these wonderful things that are happening. It's not realistic at all to every single time pair that with handing out a ticket. So another choice that we're making every time we praise. So guys, let's wrap it up and talk takeaways. Like we said in our intro, praise is a basic fundamental practice in classrooms. Using that analogy that assistant principal gave again, it's one of those ingredients that goes into the batter of this cake that we're baking. 90% of our classroom management is those really fundamental basic pieces that are really important to build up and be strong with. But that doesn't mean that it's, like we're saying, it doesn't mean that it's easy to have this strong praise habit and this rich praise diet that we're feeding to our students. Um, it doesn't mean we have strong habits in this area, and it doesn't mean that we've, we're even very self-aware of what choices we make when we're praising or encouraging students. Like I was for a good chunk of my career, really not self-aware about this practice, really not intentional about it, just kind of rolling with what my natural impulses were. <laughs> Um, But noticing and naming what we're doing is a prerequisite to being able to adjust and adapt when we need to instead of feeling helpless and stuck. So today we talked through six choices that all educators are really making when they praise. And number one was how obvious the praise is. You know, we talked through, you could say great job or you could say like I noticed or thank you for. Some are going to sound like praise praise, some don't. Number two is how descriptive it is. So sometimes we just 
say great job. Sometimes we add what we actually saw. We're, we're specific. We're detailed about it. Sometimes we even add a reason onto that, like an I statement. This made me feel this way or this did this. Number three is how targeted the praise is. So am I praising the entire class? Am I praising a table of students? Am I praising one student? Number four is how discreet it is. So am I kneeling next to one student and saying something wonderful that they did? Or am I saying that from across the classroom? How discreet is the praise? Number five is what is being praised? You know, am I praising a correct answer when we're having whole group discussion? Am I praising a high grade on a test? Or am I also praising effort or the process that a student used to troubleshoot a problem that they didn't understand? Or am I praising the student for using a quiet voice tone when that's the expectation. And I might otherwise take that for granted. So there's a lot that we can praise. And number six was, am I going to pair an incentive or a ticket with my praise? So we hope that you're feeling pretty darn self-aware at this point. And hey, maybe you're walking away from this episode with one or two intentions uh, that you have about how you'd like to praise students going forward. Thanks for spending time with us today. Make sure you subscribe. And if you're on YouTube, click the bell so that you're notified when new episodes are released. We'll see you when you come back for another slice of SEO. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. See ya.